Hello, and God bless you on this brand new day. This is uh, Pastor Jeremy. We are so delighted to come to you again, and we want to greet all of our listeners, those of you that have been tuning in. This is now our ninth consecutive uh, podcast that we began. Uh, it's a series, really, that we have named uh, the Coronavirus Passover 2020. And uh, as we've been going through these days and studying the Word of God, we have seen how the, the Lord has opened up scriptures, and we are uh, we are seeing templates and stories in the Word of God that are really giving us a a a spiritual prophetic perspective on what's going on. As the questions that 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 many are asking, what in the world is going on? What is happening? Is this a God thing? Is is the Lord in this? And we've been trying to answer this question through the Word of God, declaring that this is the hand of God and, and what God is doing. Uh, yesterday, we we um, we had a tremendous study and using the story of Lazarus, and the Lord really allowed us to bring forth um, a a picture of what is going to transpire and what is transpiring today as what happened in the story of Lazarus. And today we, we want to continue in that flow uh, and showing some things uh, that we see in the story of Lazarus that speaks of what God is doing in this hour. And today uh, we are happy to have with us our, our panel, uh, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, and Brother Marty. We are all tuning in together from wherever we're at. And uh, it's always a delight to be with you, my brothers, and to share the word of God and, and to be able to hear what God is doing. We thank you for all of you that have been sharing some of the testimonies of how these podcasts have been a blessing to your life, how it's helping you and to cope and to understand spiritually what is going on. So without further ado, Brother Marty, would you take it from here? It's always good to be with you, my brothers, and and let's open up the Word. If you if you don't, go get your Bible, get your Bible, open up the Scriptures with us, and I know the Lord will show us something today. God bless you, Brother Marty. Good. Praise, yeah, praise God. It's it's good again to to be here. I woke up this morning uh, and, and was just excited as the flow of the Word of God. Um, it's been a long time since we've had consecutive. Uh, sessions like this and uh you know we're going into our ninth hour now and those of you who have just joined us we encourage you to go back to the very first one uh and 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 begin to systematically go through them so that you might better understand if you're just new to these podcasts exactly what it is the lord has been telling us and uh, how it is that we have arrived to this point today we began in yesterday's study uh beginning to look at something that we believe the Lord is showing us by his spirit, understanding that we must compare scripture with scripture, understanding as we have quote often in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That is that everything in the word of God is, it testifies of the son of God. And we know from the scripture that the events which occurred historically in the Bible, they are they are in truth true historical events but applied with the lens of the guidance of the holy spirit in the patterns that 
are seen in those events. We understand comparing scripture with scripture that the things that happened to them then in the beginning, <clears throat> the scripture tells us will again flourish in the end. And so beginnings reflect the ending and the ending reflects the new beginning. And it's with that in mind that we go to the story. So yesterday we were in in the uh, Gospel of St. John, and I, I, I encourage you to, to have your Bibles and, and, and to go with the, us through the scriptures today. So yesterday what we reflected on was that <clears throat> as we find ourselves in the United States <clears throat> and globally around the world dealing with this pandemic, this coronavirus, we have begun to see patterns emerging in the scripture because we went immediately to the word when these things began to happen back in late December, really. We began to search the scriptures and, and felt even then, if you go back and listen to some of the teachings we've done and uh, some of the Instagram broadcasts we did back then, we felt that the Lord was quite possibly warning us that this thing that had begun in China was not going to be confined there, but that it very well could sweep across the world and come to the United States. And and that is exactly what we have seen happen. And it is it is it is in the flow of that that we began to uh, to to search the scriptures, because many people are are scared, many people are anxious, many people are fearful, but the people of God don't need to be that way. If they go to the Word of God in prayer and by the Spirit, God will begin to reveal to you. And remember this: no matter what time you live in, no matter what events we go through. It'll always be found in the Word of God if you have eyes to see. Now, with that in mind, we we reflected yesterday and have been reflecting since the very first podcast that we believe that in the coronavirus global pandemic and all that has been transpiring as a result of it, it is it is incumbent upon the children of God to realize and to study what is exactly happening and the time that it's happening. And that led us to the book of Exodus, because when we discovered in that search, we realized as we look throughout history, there's been pandemics. There's never been the kind of pandemic that literally shut the whole world down and forced everybody in the world into their houses. And the only time we've right. ever seen that, right, the only time we've ever actually seen that is in the time of the Exodus, the time of the Passover, the time of what we celebrate, we, the Jews call it Passover, we call it in the, in the Gentile world, we call it Easter, right? But it's the same season. It's the time of the Passover. So we went and began to look and we realized that there was a, there was a, a, a spirit of darkness that came upon the earth for three days that literally forced every single person into their house. Now, and we reflected back then, and you can review those podcasts, and I'm not going to go rehearse the whole thing. But one thing I want to point out there is that what we are told there is that every man had to go back to his own house, to his own place, and hide in there, so to speak, because they could not walk around because of this darkness that had gripped the entirety of the known world of that time, just as it is now. But back in that story in Exodus chapter 10, you'll find it between verse 21 and 23, it says there that though there was darkness in the houses of the world, there was light in the houses of the children of Israel. So everyone else is experiencing darkness, but the light was amongst God's people. Jesus is that light, and the Word of God testifies uh, of Jesus. And so based on those scriptures, we began to search the scriptures, and we began to ask God to give us light. And so that brings us to today, because as we discussed yesterday, 
we believe that the Passover season and the pandemic that is occurring just before Easter and just before this Passover season is reflective of a of a much deeper and much more profound expression. In other words, by the creator, in other words, is God actually speaking? And we believe that he is. The fact that this thing has now gripped the world and we are headed into the Passover season, it is it is God's way of how he talks. Now, we're, we've covered the coronavirus at length, <clears throat> but one of the things that we want to look at now is we're going to take the pattern of that and we're going to apply it to the story of Lazarus. Why is that? Well, one of the things is is that what we can learn from the story of Lazarus is that in thinking about it, we have to understand, prophetically speaking, that that the Lord's ministry at that time was coming to a close. That is, when he came the first time, he was his ministry was coming to a close, and things were going to accelerate, which would culminate in Calvary, that is, Jesus dying on the cross, and Jesus rising from the dead. Now, that was happening in that last Passover that Jesus would uh, celebrate with his disciples. But just before that Passover, a sickness came. And that's where we'll pick it up today. We're going to go over to John chapter 11, and we're going to revisit it. But God has, has wants to give us some understanding as to what we are going to see and what is going to, what we believe, transpire coming out of this pandemic, out of this coronavirus. It's going to be with us for a little while. But it will lift, but coming out of it, a whole series of events which are transpiring right now behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, we're going to emerge with a completely different world, a completely different system, and a completely different spirituality. And we're going to look into that today. So the Lord's ministry in the first century, in the first or the last Passover that he would uh, celebrate, um, we can learn keys from those stories as to what is going to happen for those of you who have eyes to see and ears to hear. So his ministry was coming to a rapid conclusion then. That is a type of how we find ourselves in this time. Things are, are coming to a rapid conclusion. And and we see that happening in the world. And and therefore, we need to, if we are coming to a rapid conclusion and we're applying the prophetic lens correctly in these stories, then we should be seeing similar events as we come to the, to the nearing of the return of the Lord. So just before Jesus' ministry concluded the first time, what do we see? We see that a sickness is unleashed in John chapter 11. And when Jesus is asked about that sickness, he's told, he says, this sickness is not unto death. Now, I want to show you something. Let's go over to John chapter 11. Do you guys have your Bibles? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> Let, let's take a look at what we can see here. And, 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 and because what we're going to learn is that there are three people involved in this story when you look at chapter uh, 11, verse 5, right? Those three people are Martha, her sister Mary, right, and Lazarus, and and the Bible says of them in, in chapter five. I mean, chapter eleven, verse five. It says that Jesus loved this little remnant. He loved this group: this Martha, this Mary, and this Lazarus. 
they live in a city called Bethany, right? And we talked about this yesterday. Bethany's name literally means the house of misery. And so prophetically speaking, it begins to portray a picture of an end-time generation that will find themselves in a miserable condition, if you will, in a very hard situation. Now, in this, we begin to find out uh, in, 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 the, in the word. Now, let's go back and look at this from verse 1. Hey, Jeremiah, you got your Bible? Yeah. Can you read me uh, verse 1 through 3? Okay. And it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Mar Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. All right. Now, let's, 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 let's really fasten our seatbelts here, and this is where our story begins today. And those of you uh, who want to catch up, you need to listen to uh, part one yesterday. But we're going to pick it up here from the second, uh, from the second verse which tells us first and foremost that Lazarus is sick. Lazarus, in, in our story and, and for our spiritual purposes here, he represents, and Martha and Mary represent a remnant church in this hour, a church that finds itself uh, having been overcome with this a sickness or, 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 or the sickness has come upon it. And, and he's sick and he's he's reflective of two things a church that will experience something that is tantamount to a death but also in another sense when we look at it uh, as it reflects the culture of our day and, and the spirituality a a lazarus kind of church will exist just prior to the coming of the lord that will find itself really being overcome with something that seeks to take its life now verse 3 gives way to the next statement which says because of this sickness, his sisters send to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. So who are they in our story? Well, they represent the group of people out there, many around the world, who have, who have been interceding and seeking God over the condition of his true remnant. It's as if they are a dying breed, so to speak. And this activates the intercessors. As Lazarus begins to fade, as hope begins to fade, as the church is reduced down to a Mary, Martha, and a, and a, a Martha, Mary, and a Lazarus, hope begins to fade, and it's as if the true is dying, the true is sick. But it activates a group of intercessors, and and that's what we see in verse three. We see that they intercede, and their intercession comes to the Lord, and they tell him the church or your Lazarus is dying. The one that you love is dying. Now, immediately this gives way to verse four, right? Because it says that Jesus, when he heard that Lazarus was dying, he says this. When these events unfolded, he says this. He says, this sickness is not unto death. And as we dealt with this yesterday, what we were talking about is this pandemic, this, this virus, this isn't the end of all things. But something is going to come out of it, and that's what we see in verse 4, what Jesus said. The sickness isn't under death, but it's for the glory of God. It's for the Son of God, that he might be glorified. 
So what's going to emerge out of what is taking place globally right now and what the church is experiencing, the true remnant church, is going to give way to something wonderful. It's going to be, give glory to, the, to God the Father and to God the Son. Now listen, when the events fully unfold, you're going to see something glorious happen. Now, again, it's at this point after verse 4, and I hope you have your Bibles, uh, it says in verse 5, the Holy Spirit, like has John, turn our attention to the Martha and, and Mary and, and Lazarus because they are that remnant experiencing this plague, if you will, that has come just before the Passover. Something interesting happens in verse 6. Can you read that, Jeremiah, in verse 6? What does it say? It says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, that's an interesting thing. Now, no, that's good. He stayed where he was for how many days? Two days. Two days. This is a hint by the Spirit of God to us upon whom the sins of the world have come. Because we know that in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, right, it tells us, uh, Peter reveals to us that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. So we see in this little statement that he abides two more days, it's almost as if we're being told by the Spirit, that is those who are alive at this time when a sickness comes just before Passover, that 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 in essence Jesus would not show up on the scene until do, until or head towards the scene until two days has come to an end, right? Instead of coming immediately, he stays there for two more days. And those two more days, taking scripture, comparing scripture with scripture, seems to imply, and again, I'm talking to those with spiritual ears, that something would happen and, and, and that a 2,000-year period would transpire before a resurrection would come. Now listen. Yeah. <laughs> right? So now we come to verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, uh, as they begin to leave, listen to what happens. It says that then after that, after the two days, they begin to leave. And he says, his disciples say to him, uh, or he says to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And his disciples tell him in verse 8, um, Master, the Jewish people were trying to kill you. And you want to go back there again? So how does what do we see from this? What do we learn from this? As they begin to leave, and Jesus reveals to them where he's taking them to. He's taking them to the very place where the church has reached a condition where it has literally sought to kill the very one they claim to serve. And there's only a little remnant there, Mary and Martha and uh, and Lazarus. And he says, that's where we need to go right now. So part of the reason that this sickness has come upon us and this global pandemic, especially as it relates to the church in the United States, if it chooses to reflect upon it, is to reveal to us that that there is a church that is hostile to the true gospel, even though it claims to be a church, and that this thing, this sickness, this pandemic, this thing that has come, which is affecting Lazarus, the remnant, and literally its life is expiring, he says, we need to go there. But look at how his preachers react. They say, they, they want to kill you there. And it's, it's like that remnant 
if you will, ministry that's existing right now. The Lord's ministers at this time, many of them, I'm not saying they're bad, I'm saying they've been walking with the Lord. But they haven't yet figured out. They don't really see that what is actually happening right now is going to lead to the birth of something new and the corrupting of someone something that was already existing before this pandemic came, before this sickness came. So the Lord's ministers, they don't see. All they can see and all they can complain about is, look, those churches over there or that Jerusalem crowd, that establishment, establishment ministry over there, all they have ever tried to do is stone you and kill you, and that's where you want to go back to? What are you doing? And it is as if the ministers who have been on the outside of the establishment have kind of reached that same conclusion. It's like there's no hope over there. You know, we, we've been through this before, Lord. <laughs> the only result of this is that they're going to try and kill you. And, 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 and so they don't want to go. That's the first thing they bring up. They have no idea what's going on. So then our attention turns right away, right, to verse 11. That's where the Spirit leads us. And, and we begin to dig in deeper on the ministers. Verse 11, he begins to tell them in verse 11, these things he said after he had said to them, our friend Lazarus is asleep. He says, I'm going to wake him out of his sleep. See, there is, there is those who have fervently sought God for a long time. And as we entered into this season and, and we've come into the 21st century and we've experienced 9-11, all the crazy things that happened, and now we've come into 2020, up to this point, it's as if a separation took place. You know, you had the well-established right. megachurch ministry, right? But then you have this group that is, that is for all intents and purposes, dying. And, and, and we come to this place where they where as a result, uh, Jesus identifies it as, as sleeping, right? He talks about them being asleep. And it sounds a lot like Matthew 25, right, where it says that the, that, that the wise virgins and the foolish virgins both fall asleep. But, but he, he goes on and, and to tell them that he's just sleeping. And then verse 12, he says, uh, he, then the disciples say to him, well, if he's sleeping, there's hope, right? He's going to be all right. And Jesus, in verse 13, it says, however, was speaking of the death of Lazarus. They thought he was only temporarily asleep. But Jesus says, no, he's actually died. Now, this is, again, Jesus, we're having privileged conversation here between the Lord and his disciples. They're good men of God. They just don't understand the situation. And it's these events that begin to cause them to have revelation as it pertains to the ministry. He's, he's addressing the ministers, and there is a ministry that's been hanging out with the Lord, but it needs to have something revealed to it, brothers. And that is, that which once was has reached this point where it, in essence, it's not just asleep with the hope of being revived again. It needed to fully die it needed to to experience something that would actually bring it to the point of death see brother jeremy pointed out and, and you all have pointed out over the last several podcasts that the situation that we've been experiencing 
the result of it in the United States and around the world has been what? The shutting of the door of all the houses of worship. Isn't that right? Right. Right. Are you guys awake? Yes. <laughs> Jump yes. in at any time, man. So, so listen, so the the doors have been shut. Lazarus is dead. Do you hear what I'm, I'm thinking, saying? Uh, I'm thinking of Revelations 3.2. Well, he speaks to the church of Sardis. Um, he says, These things said he that hath the seven spirits of God, the seven stars, I know thy works, and that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. He says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now, again, I'm not saying that this was Lazarus' case, but right. the Lord is using the house of Lazarus, right, as a sign yes. to the nation and to the leadership of the nation, um, yes. that this is the spiritual condition uh, of many. This was the spiritual condition of many throughout the nation of Israel, right? And, and the Lord and, was. Yeah. And brother, also stop right there and, and go on, uh, because you made me think of that. That's exactly what we're saying. And that's what the pattern is showing, is that the same yes. spiritual condition of the Lazarus house was existing in the U.S. and across the West, right, before this pandemic exactly. hit. Go ahead. Yes. No, so, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's, it speaks to the nation of Israel, the story of Lazarus, but it also speaks to a future generation. We see the same yes. principle used in the story of Elijah when he goes to a house. Notice the Lord uses the house of the widow and her son, who will experience resurrection power as well. Right. So yeah. She, yeah. this woman uh, experiences revival in her home during a time of persecution when, when Jezebel is hunting down. Yeah. And drought as well. Yeah. Good point. Uh -huh. And she's trying to hunt down the servants of the Lord. Um, so he uses that story to prophesy to his generation. That principle again, we see. Right. Where yeah. where uh, uh, it, that household, the, the, the house of the widow spoke to the nation but it would also speak to a future generation, the generation that yeah. Jesus came to. And he, and he mentioned her to the to Israel. And, she, yes, and he, he spoke about her faith and that Elijah was sent to her. Right? A Gentile and, and, woman. And pretty much a Gentile woman, correct. <laughs> a foreshadow of the church, right, of the last days, right? So thank Amen. you, going. Yeah. And yeah, another another point to bring out too in in verse six of of, of John eleven, as as you were saying, um, when Jesus said, uh, let me see, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then the Bible says, then after Jesus told his disciples, let us go into Judea again. In other words, let's start making our way over there. Let's mm -hmm. start walking towards there. Right. And then we see yeah. the reluctancy in the disciples saying, well, master, you know, the Jews of the late sought to stone the are we going to go there. But then Jesus said something very powerful as they're walking over there. Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? He's telling them, if any man walk in the day, he will not, he stumbled at not because he sees the light of this world. Now, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he's telling them there it is still day. It is still day 
we're going to go with it because as long as I am here, he says, I am what? The light of the world. He says, because if you walk at night, in other words, there is a darkness that is coming, that is here, that is coming. You will stumble because there is no light in him. So Jesus was encouraging his disciples, and I want to encourage the listeners. Jesus is telling us, yes, there's a night, a darkness that is here, that is coming, but there is still light as long as I am here. And no matter how dire the situation and impossible that it looks, walk with me in this hour. Because there will come a time where you're going to want to walk, but it shall be night and you shall stumble. And I just wanted to bring that out. Yeah, and that's good because yeah, you, were, um, you were bringing the, the point out, and I want you to elaborate a little more on it. You, you, you mentioned something had to die. Yeah. Right? Lazarus represents that. Something has to die before something new can come out of it. And, and right? it's something that Jesus loves. Right. So that's that, that he loves that remnant, right? We have a group of intercessors that send word to him, and then and then. It has been like over the last 20, 30, 40 years, especially in the Western compromised church, that a remnant began to pray and say, if you don't come, this 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 thing that we once knew, this Lazarus-type uh, church, if you will, who you love, is going to die. You know, it, it's, mm. it's as if it gets smaller and smaller <laughs> and smaller. You know, that's what's been happening. He's like, you've got these 20,000 mega seat churches, and then you've got like five people in their living room going, my God, where is Jesus? You know, we're being surrounded right. here. And then like Brother Jeremy, I don't want to quickly jump off of that real quick because that's good that you brought that up. Now, look, it says, he says, we need to go to Judea again. And again, that it's at that point that our attention is turned to the preachers that are hanging out with Jesus. Their assessment of the situation is that there's danger and you have been rejected by that group that the jews were the were the caretakers of the establishment religion of the day right that's why it, it mentions judea and and it says that well for, <laughs> i don't want to get too far off this point here but they they were the establishment and the minister's assessment of the situation is that is that there's they've they've rejected you of late Notice verse 8. Mm, right. Disciples, mm -hmm. Right? His disciples say to him, Master, uh, lately, <laughs> yeah. in case you don't realize it, the Jews of late have tried to kill you. So it seems to imply at first there was a group of them who started out, you know, kind of like, okay, we'll hang out with this Jesus. But then the Jesus that began to emerge among them, they didn't like. And so it's 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 only near the end of his ministry that, that they truly begin to reject him. And it is reflective as, as we near the second coming of the Lord, we would see the same kind of establishment truly reject the Lord they once embraced. Now, when he was speaking of there being only 12 hours in the day, and then he talks in verse 10 about the night, the reason he mentions the 12 hours in his response to him, notice what he said. He didn't say, yeah, I know those guys are really bad, right? They they did try to stone me. <laughs> he didn't say that. Right. He said, yeah, right. right? He goes to this freaky response, right? If, you, if, you're, if you're not really getting what he's trying to say, it's almost a weird response. He goes, there's 12 hours in the day. Like, really? Uh, okay. Uh, I'm talking to you about those crazy people who want to kill you, right? But mm -hmm. he speaks so spiritually because literally what he's talking about is, 
is the 12 hours in the day, and then he references the night. Literally what he's saying is, is that we have reached the point where there is an equal division between light and darkness, right? And that, that both are always contending against each other. That's good. So then he goes, he goes on to say, if you walk in the day, and, and he's really literally speaking uh, about the, what's unfolding. Remember, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Day is the spiritual language for the unfolding of the purpose of God. And so he said there has been a there has been an equal division between light and dark. Twelve hours has been given to us, and it is bringing forth a day. If you walk in that day, you're not going to stumble. Why? Because you will see the light of the world. That mm. is Jesus. This this new age, so to speak, this new purpose. Just as if Lazarus is re- reflective of a resurrected thing that that had to die, in order to demonstrate the true me oh my mm. god how much time do yeah. you really have that's good that's okay. good <laughs> mm. <laughs> so then he goes on and says but if a man walks in the night which is darkness and we know that the night is ruled by the enemy right i mean it is reflective of his influence he's going to stumble because there's no light in him there's no revelation in him there's no understanding in him the light that is in him. Remember what he said? If the if the light be in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It sounds like double speak, but he's actually referring to the spirit of the enemy. So he was literally saying, yes, he didn't even address their fact because they're looking in the natural. Man, they just want to kill you over there. And he says, he answers them with this really, really profound um, thing. He's basically saying the light and the darkness are equally divided. They're They're contending. But if you walk in the day, that is the day that I'm bringing forth, you will not stumble. In other words, don't look to that old way. Because what's coming out of this pandemic, if you will, what's coming out of Lazarus' sickness is going to be something completely new. It's setting in motion something completely new. Something is accelerating forward. And, And what will come out of it is the demonstration of my power for my people. But those who also come out of it on the other end of Lazarus's demonstration will have no light in them anymore. An acceleration of prophetic events is occurring right now. And what's going to come out of this is a true church and a false church that will ultimately corrupt itself and remove Jesus out of the way. Now, listen. So he's addressing and speaking to his ministers, and this is important because what we need to pray for is for those who love the Lord, those who are his ministers, to begin to to really uh, allow God to deal with them and understand that this time on their way in the midst of a sickness that that has brought something uh, terrible upon the Lazarus just before the Passover, the ministers are are are, are going to need to understand that something is going to be revealed to them. They think that he's just asleep, right? Verse 12. And he says, well, he's going to do okay then. But then Jesus has to reveal to them something. He says in verse 13, it says that that, that Jesus was speaking of, of his death. They thought he was simply speaking that of his rest and he was going to wake up again. But Jesus says to them plainly in verse 14, 
he says, Lazarus is dead. Now, again, I'm speaking very, very spiritually here, but I'm addressing ministers and 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 those of you who 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 once knew a vibrancy of a Lazarus kind of move of God, but but he's trying to jar his ministers and tell them, quit trying to latch on to something that once was. It's dead now. It's it dead. Yeah. Right? It ain't gonna happen no more. But yet I'm coming to it because it's going to have to be brought forth again. But there's a way and a process by which it's going to happen, and it's going to begin with a sickness. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does that? Let me Brother, ask you this: How does ahead. that apply? What, how, what What are the? What's going to be the visual of that in our time? You know, I, I mean, I see, I see the beginning stages of it. I see. Uh, the big mega churches closed, right? The 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 way that we've been going is representative yeah. of these mega churches, and now it seems like every believer finds himself in a house. Is yes. This, is this is this the way we're going? Is I believe so. Only going to strengthen. I think this is only going to strengthen the church being in their homes. Now fathers have to step up, you know, and be and be Levites, so to speak, and and lead their family in the path of righteousness instead of sending her family to a mega church to hear a false prophet who's been deceiving them for years, you know, but a good cup of coffee how, what, what do you, yeah. What, what's the visual? <laughs> what, what's the well, you hit it right on the head. If you want to accelerate in, into what's really coming and what's already yes. begun to come. Right. Is that, is that right. remember, remember we're going to get to verse 20 when Martha leaves the house. Right. But Mary stays in the house. But we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to address what you're just saying, because remember, to those of you that are listening, what we've been talking about is that God declares the end of all things from the very beginning. How did the church begin? It began mm -hmm. in houses, right? So, right. <laughs> but the, they were forced in their houses because of a religious establishment that no longer welcomed it, and neither could it abide in the religious establishment. They were in the houses. And they also were up not only up under a religious a, a religious establishment, but a global power that was dominating everything. It it was forcing them into their houses. You read the letters uh, that the apostles wrote under the church in the house of Chloe, right? And you know, in the house of in the house of Priscilla and Aquila, they had they had church. You know, everywhere there were little groups. And what you just said yeah. is so vital that the father must return to his place and must and must uh, begin to minister to his people. Or if it's if you're a single mom with children, you take that spiritual place. Or if there's a group of, of you in your community, you know, 5, 10, 15 of you, gather together, sing your songs, a psalm, hymn, spiritual song, and, and he that has the word, let him bring it forth. Let the church judge. I mean, we are being forced into our houses. But remember, when when the pandemic ends, just as when Lazarus raises from the dead, the establishment goes back to being the establishment, but worse than it ever was before. But Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, that remnant church, return to the house. And it's there, like we were talking about yesterday, that Mary pours out the ointment, and the house there becomes fragrantly filled with the presence of God. Now listen, 
were dealing with his ministers, he had to tell them in verse 14, this thing that once was, though I loved it, it had to die so that it could reemerge with a different expression and understanding. And if you will and can see it, it will be accelerated into a Passover. And that Passover mm. is going to culminate, and we'll talk about that in the coming days, with a a remnant that will experience a persecution, if you will, and a martyrdom, <laughs> just like Jesus did on Calvary. But they're not going right. to just be martyred. They're going to be raised from the dead. That's where this is headed to, the second coming yes. of the Lord. All right. That's why I went way, I, I went way ahead because <laughs> I wanted to bring Brother Marty. Up. Yes. Uh, Brother Marty, can I also interject something here? So Absolutely. Just reverse a little bit back. So the ministers that were hanging out with Jesus outside of Judea, it seems like something good was going on around them. They were away from danger, right? <laughs> they were yeah. at a place where where maybe Jesus was being accepted and so forth. And so when the situation of Lazarus came, the first thing that they do is, is try to discourage Jesus. Why are we going over there, right? Uh, yeah. Don't go, you know, uh, let us stay here. You know, he's... Um, you know, there's too much danger over there. I mean, we're doing some good well, okay, things wait. over here. Yeah, stop right there because you just said something really profound, and this is going to hit preachers and pastors and, and, and men and women of God right right between the eyes. What you just said, they say, why are we going over there? But before they say that, notice what it says in verse 5. It's Jesus that loves Martha and Mary and Lazarus. It doesn't say Jesus oh. and his disciples, right? Oh, mm-hmm. Wow. So telling us that, go ahead, go ahead, Brother Martin. So my point is, is that, is that we see Christ's love for this remnant, but we also see a ministry that doesn't have the same kind of love. And Jesus is yeah. leading his preachers toward that, right? He, it, it, the Bible says of Jesus, when he saw that the sheep were scattered, they were like sheep without a shepherd. It says he was moved with compassion, you know, and, yeah. and this is his training and through this, he wants his ministers to come out of this in the midst of this Lazarus kind of pandemic, this sickness that isn't under death. He's dealing with all kinds of things. And that's why the story shifts to the ministers. Go ahead, Brother Jeremy, finish your thought. And so and so the ministers, you find you, you have evidence how the disciples of that time even thought about position, right? You know, who will, who will sit at the right hand, at the left hand. So it tells us where their mind was initially. You know, a position, you know, Jesus had compassion over the people, right? He was moved with compassion. And the second excuse that, that they make to him, is it shows that, that they didn't have an understanding. They said, well, he's asleep. Jesus is saying mm -hmm. he's dead. They're saying he's asleep. Mm -hmm. And so what this reveals to us today in, in today's ministry is that it, it's sad to say, but the ministers today, especially here in America, have no clue. We we continue to tell the people, and yes, God is moving here and there, but we are reluctant to accept the reality that the church in America is in the condition that Lazarus was, almost as dead in the ashes. Just 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 today, I was reading an article, and this is not a knock on this on this pastor. I don't know him. I'm not going to say his name. Instead of realizing that God is speaking to us, our churches are closed. We're finding supposedly creative ways to still have churches. So he had a drive-through service the other day, you know, where all yeah. the people stayed in the parking lot and he was preaching to them. 
And that tells me that in America, we are fighting to say that the church is alive and well in America. There's revival. When God is saying, Jesus is saying the very opposite. Yeah, and, and think and of the... Go ahead, Brother Marty. And, and think of the arrogance of such a thing that you just brought up. Like, that's the only dude that can talk to all these people and forces them out of their houses in a dangerous situation where we're supposed to be shut in our place, right, for now. And that's 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 principle. Remember, God said, you stay in your house with the blood applied to it and the death angel ain't going to touch you. But this guy, he thinks that he's so important and he's the only one they can listen to. He makes them get out of their houses, get in their cars, and drive to wherever he was and preach to them. That's what's coming to an end. Go ahead. Yes. No, and, and, and been, it, preachers have been preachers have been tiptoeing the politically correct line for too yes. long. They yes, don't want to cross it. over and offend anyone, yeah. right? And it's almost like yeah. it's almost like Jesus sees, sees this in his own disciples. I'm like, he's like, man, you guys are way too comfortable over here. I'm about to, you know, it, it's about to get a little, a little. Uh, 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 I'm about to turn up the heat a little, right? And let's see how you react. I'm gonna go to where. I'm not wanting, but out of that, you're going to begin to see what these religious leaders really think about us. Yeah. Uh, really, exactly. really think about the true church. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the preachers in America, that's what we've been doing. You know, we won't call out sin anymore. We won't offend anybody anymore. You know, and, and, and in doing that, we haven't really reached the soul that is dying. That's right. right. That's good. And, and that, that's absolutely right. But let's look at it from another point of view, too, in verse 8, when they tell him, 11, 8, when they say, but but master, and he's on his way to go raise Lazarus from the dead, and they say, but but they want to kill you over there. In the Holy Spirit, having John write that and, and, and point that out to us, what the Lord was literally saying to them by taking them there is that ministry will cost you something. It might cost you your very life. And the mm. days of playing church and building your own kingdom and, you know, selling your books and your DVDs and your tapes and Over. Your, your, your T-shirt to your last prophecy conference, whatever, <laughs> you know, it's over. Wow. And you need to under, understand yeah. that we're, we're entering into a, a, a time out of this, I'm telling you, where the church itself and its ministers are going to have to go whether it's dangerous or not because there is something profoundly at stake here and that is a remnant Martha Mary and Lazarus that has been allowed to die in order Hallelujah. that the power of God would be displayed are you there yes mm-hmm. and, and that's where Jesus is, is taking his disciples he's taking yes. them for a walk maybe the disciples even going reluctantly but he's there to show them that 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 although Lazarus is dead, he's going to resurrect them. And to show them that in the miracle of Lazarus is our miracle as ministers for a new ministry, a new ministry to come alive as, as Lazarus, because to show us really the condition that we are dead. We say that we are rich, but we are poor. We say that we are with, <laughs> that there is revival and nothing is taking place. And he's saying, you know, so I can just imagine his disciples going with Jesus, but Jesus taking them to the place where they can see the reality of their condition, but also telling them, I will resurrect you. A new church will come without blemish, right? Without, uh, That's without spot or blemish that I'm coming for. 
That's exactly that's, right. And that's – go ahead. No, that was, that was, that was the end of my thought. Okay, and that's, that's what we're talking about here in verse 14 and 15. Because the story shifts, right, from Martha and Mary interceding, from Jesus receiving words, from and then and then him beginning to to leave after two days, which we believe represents the last two thousand years, and then we see that in verse seven and eight they begin to question his decision and the wisdom of it, and and as if he didn't know, they begin to assess the situation and say, but God, you know, Jesus, they tried to kill you over there. It is the attitude that that where the not bad ministers, but they've kind of like thrown their hands up and say, you know, we we're not welcome over there anymore. But Jesus wasn't going to them. He was coming to Lazarus, who had been surrounded by this establishment and these mm. these, these ministers who want nothing to do with Jesus. Mm. And he says, I don't care. A new thing is coming. Twelve hours in the day, right? This is a light, this is a light and darkness conflict, he says. And he that's going to walk in the day and the light of this new thing that I'm doing, he says, he will not stumble. Now, from there, we, mm. he continues to deal with his with his apostles, like like uh, Brother Jeremy was just pointing out so beautifully. He he plainly has to reveal to them that Lazarus is dead. They have to accept that what once was, as precious as it might have been, it's over. But it's not going to stay that way, right? It's just going to right. reemerge in a much more profound way, which brings glory to the to the Father and to the Son. That's what he said. This thing is to bring glory to God and to bring glory to the Son of God. So what we mm-hmm. learn from that is that there is still something that needs to be produced in the Lord's ministers. And this, this event is going to bring it out, the ones, the ministers that hang with Jesus. And, mm-hmm. he, and he, he has to... He has to plainly show them that he's dead. And then he says in verse 15, he tells them, I'm glad that he died. For what? For your <laughs> yeah. sakes, preacher. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. If, he, if it hadn't died, <laughs> you'd still be hanging you'd on. You'd continue. This, yeah. this you'd continue in the same ways. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Brother Marty, can I add oh, something? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What's interesting is actually after the point that uh, Pastor Jeremy brought out in verse 16, uh, the the Bible says, then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, he says, let us also go so that we may die with him. In other words, <laughs> telling us, like after Jesus revealed to them, okay, Lazarus is really dead. It's kind of like if Thomas realized that and he's like, you know what, then we need to die too in order for something new to come about through us as well. Yes, and that, that's really good. That's interesting. Uh, and and like all youth, you've run ahead of us. So, let, <laughs> that was but that's an excellent <laughs> point, right? Let's go die with him too. But look, because I, I love the way you, you see it there, because that's a truth and a, and a good truth. But let's get to Thomas in a second. Now look, he, he had to reveal to them that Lazarus is dead. They had to accept this and, and to his ministers, right? And he says, and I'm glad that he died for your sakes. And I'm glad that I wasn't there. I had to let it go away. And he says, to the intent that you might believe. Believe what? Believe in me and my power to resurrect any situation, even that which you once long ago gave up on, or whoever that's for out there. He says, nevertheless, let us go to him. Let's go to him. 
And then like brother brother Jeremy Jeremiah just mentioned and to I wrote it in my notes like this is the comic relief. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Man. Thomas Thomas don't get it. You know? He's like, Ah, if it's all dead and everybody's dead, I might as well just go die with him too. I mean, I mean that's how I see it as a preacher, right? It's like well, whatever, Jesus. Okay, who cares? Might as well just finish me off. No, I don't. Yeah, we, we, we've all felt like this uh, one time in our ministry. I, I feel like that at least once or twice a year. Ah, forget <laughs> it. Forget it. Might as well just, okay, everybody's dead. Lazarus is dead. They want to kill you. Okay. <laughs> if that's where you want us to go, then just finish me off. Let's go die. No, but see. <laughs> that's true. But but I also see what Jeremiah was pointing out. It's a beautiful thing. You know, we do need to die. We do need to, to finish, uh, you know, putting away self in the hopes of a resurrection. So in verse uh, 17, it says, Jesus came and he found that he has been in the grave for four days. Now, verse 18 and 19, the Holy Spirit takes us to remind us now. Remember, let's not lose sight of what we're talking about here. We're in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic that has gripped the whole world. We're talking about what is going to come out of it. Now, Bethany, as we pointed out yesterday, it, it is it is the house of misery. That's literally what it means. It speaks of a house of misery. The condition that has existed where Lazarus is near is one of misery. And it says it's near to Jerusalem, right? It's 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 that place where the influence of headquarters, if you will, has brought nothing but misery. The influence of all these popular kingdoms and religions and fair-haired preachers of the day and women of the day, all it's done is brought misery. What do you mean, Brother Marty? I'm telling you that the that the natural condition that we're experiencing on the planet right now in this virus, this plague, this pestilence, is, an, is a reflection of the true spiritual condition of both the backslidden church and culture at large. It's near where Lazarus is. Now listen. Verse 19, it says that many of the Jews come to Martha and Mary to comfort them over their brother. I think the Holy Spirit uh, is showing us something here. Look at how they swarm into the house of a ministry that held on until Lazarus dies, right? Then they come and they seek to comfort. It reminds me of those fair-haired preachers we have today. Everything's a blessing. You're just a king's kid. God loves you so much no matter how you live. I mean, everything's about your season and and, and, and your prosperity. And your dream. <laughs> your dream, right? Your vision. Um, <clears throat> so it says that they come to comfort uh, concerning their brother. Oh, my gosh. If I was in a camp meeting, I'd be preaching right now. But let me tell you something. <laughs> concerning their brother, right? It, 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 it is, it's almost, what's that word? Um, oh, don't what's that word where they talk? Don't 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 patronize me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because a little you while know, ago, they didn't, they didn't care for him, right? They didn't want to go over there. Right. Yeah, but now we have an opportunity because we got Mary and Martha. There's still a little remnant we can add to our 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 church, right? So they, it's almost like they patronize those ministries that that tried to make a difference, only to see the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist, if you will, drain their churches, ultimately leaving them as an empty shell a house of sadness, and then they come to comfort them over that. Well, now maybe you can see how you need to be like us. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh. They, 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 these people 
were the ones who the disciples were just saying, these are the people that are seeking to kill you, right? So they, they, they right. don't want the real gospel. And, and the only thing they can come, and they really reflect a weak ministry, right? Because all they can do is preach their, their pop messages of the day, but they have no power to resurrect. And neither do they care. Powerful. Now, listen, they, they, uh, <laughs> but something happens now. Because they've now filled where Lazarus used to be, right? They're all in his house now. And they're seeking yeah. to just take away what remains, the Mary and the Martha, the servant and the intercessor, the servant and the worshiper. Because Martha was a servant, right? She was busy serving everybody, right? And, and Mary's yeah. a worshiper, right? That, that, that's the last thing that they want to take now. They want to use the servant for their own ministries, and they want to bring Martha onto the praise team. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's usually how it works. It is how it works, right? A, so, but something begins to happen, and this is where we are right now. See, this thing is going to get worse, and, and we're going to see more. And I, I you know, to, to, we're going to see more. And and when it reaches its apex, something's going to happen. A remnant within the remnant is going to begin to hear something. And, and, and that's what we see in Martha. Something begins to stir. And, and, and when all things seem to be lost and they're being surrounded, almost as if the pressure is to give in to those who came to comfort them, Martha hears that Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Glory Amen. God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah, I can barely contain myself over here. Sorry for you guys that are listening out there. But Martha begins to hear he's coming. And when well, she hears that, what happens? Oh, yes. She she leaves that old house, right? <laughs> Glory to God. Praise God. <laughs> My that God. misery. Yes. And, and and that place of sadness, right? Because they're all in their mourning. Yes. You know, yes. what we once thought we believed, what the vision we had, the Lord gave us of, you know, this beautiful, it's all dead. But but it's meant to, to send forth a clarion call to his people. See, there's a remnant right now that's beginning to hear something. It's beginning to dawn on them. Jesus is coming. And it's yes. going to require you to get up where you've been before Lazarus got sick or the sickness came, and leave it. When you come out the other end and it's all done, start running to Jesus. Get out of it because that's what she did, right? Martha, as soon as she hears Jesus, she goes running. The message right now that is going to come forth with great power and reach into that place of ultimate sadness and rekindle a joy and a strength and an energy we know Jesus is coming. So it's going to be a systematic Amen. thing. So don't think that everybody right away is just going to join in you in your thing, right? Because Mary stayed there still, right? He didn't come out right, right away. Yes. yes, yes. But this initial group, Martha, she leaves because she hears Jesus is coming. It's only going to be a, a, a few, remember, who will begin to hear this. And, and then she mm. leaves the house. Where, where where the sadness is, and it's as if God is going to begin to call out a remnant within a remnant, and they're going to begin to come out. It's already been happening. 
but many will still be in the house surrounding Marcia, Mar Mary, right? But look what happens in verse 21 through 27. Uh, the first wave that we're talking about that's going to come out of this, and I know some of you are probably way lost right now, but just go back and listen and, and, and get the flow. Uh, but those of you that are spiritual, you're hearing what the Lord is saying. This first Martha wave will be the very first ones in this pandemic that are going to begin to realize Jesus is coming. He's coming. What is old is dead now, but there's hope. And I'm going to have to leave what I positionally have known and, 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 and go out as the Spirit leads me because my Savior is calling. He's telling me he's coming. As soon as she hears he's coming, something happens. And Martha is like that first wave that will have revealed to it that the resurrection is coming, right? The resurrection right. is coming. Because that's what Jesus does, right? When she goes and meets him. And 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 he reveals to her, wait a minute, a resurrection is about to happen. So we've been hearing that Jesus is coming for a long time, but this is different now. This is a different message because it's a message that she hears that he's coming, but it's also with the revelation he's not just coming; he's going. This is going to culminate with a resurrection. But but also understand this. That's what, and you guys can read it later from verse twenty-one through twenty-seven. We give, gives way to verse 28. When she has that full revelation, she goes back. Hallelujah. Yes, <laughs> amen. I'm just having too much fun here today. She goes back and, 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 and she goes to find Martha, the worshipers, right? She goes back to find her and she preaches to her. Jesus is coming, right? Or he's here. And, and what? And he and she says, "What the master is come, and what he's calling for you." Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So, so the whole church is now taken out of the house, right? Twenty nine and thirty, because she will respond. Verse twenty nine. As soon as she heard, she arose quickly and she came to him. So now you have the servant and the worshiper with Jesus. And Jesus, uh, in, in verse 29 and 30, Martha and Mary, they both go. So a fellowship is coming with like-minded believers, right? It may be required of you to begin to sound the word, but the true Marys, if you will, that other part or component, they will come out of the house too. It's going to be a glorious fellowship. Now, what begins to happen out of this is what? Uh, it says in verse 31, right? It says, the Jews which were with her in the house and were comforting her, when they saw Mary that she rose up and went out, they followed her. But listen to their assessment. She goes to the grave to cry, right? To weep there. What is this reflective of? That group of preachers, completely undiscerning. <laughs> How is it? Right. <laughs> right? It says Martha heard he was coming, but nobody got up to leave. Right? Martha goes in a private meeting with Mary and tells her he's here and she gets up to leave. The whole time they have completely become an undiscerning group of people. And the best that they can do is think that she's going to the place of death. Let's go, let's go follow her there. Ah, uh, we ain't got time. All right, so so let, let let's quickly close with this, because we've been going a long time with it. But, uh, let's close with this. Uh they go, but Martha comes to Jesus, right? And 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 it says in verse thirty-two, when when Mary was come uh, and, and Martha, 
where Jesus was, and she saw him, she fell down at his feet, and she said to him, if you had been here, Lord, my brother hadn't died. So she still hasn't fully come to the realization of what's about to happen, but at least she's there. This is going to be a progressive revelation for some. This is going to be a full revelation for others who go and get the others and take them out of the house, but it's a work in progress, and, and Jesus himself is going to make it plain. And so when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with her, uh, which I didn't got time to get into all that, but it does it does uh, it does tell us why this reaction from the Lord, right? He groans in his spirit and was troubled. Okay, mm-hmm. he groans in his spirit and is troubled in this event because now things are about to really accelerate. We're only moments away from Lazarus being resurrected. But it's going to set in motion a series of events that will permanently split the real church from the false church. This real church that will be prepared and will have had a demonstration of the resurrection power it deposited into their faith. And the ministers will have had that, right? What Jesus said, I'm glad that it didn't happen for your sake to the intent you might believe. And to this Mary Martha bunch who will hear that he's coming, who will have the resurrection revealed to them and will see a display of the power of God in their own, uh, if you will, gatherings and fellowships, but it is also going to cause this false church. That's why Jesus groaned in himself, because he knew this very event, while joyous and and incredible, was also going to lead to a tribulation period. So he says he wants them to understand something, and he says, uh, and he tells her, where did you lay him? And what he, what he wants us to reflect on is the place you gave up, it's going to come to life again. Uh, but you have to do what? Bring Jesus to that place. Bring the true gospel to that place. Begin to preach a Lord who's coming and a Lord who's coming to resurrect his, his church, right? Uh, that, that second coming of the Lord. And, and look at the reaction of the false in verse, uh, Jesus cries because he knows what's coming. And it says, but the Jews said, look how much he loved him. And it says in verse 37, some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that this man should not have died? In other words, they, they, they go back to the past, right? That's where they're stuck in. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then they begin to accuse him from that position and say, couldn't he have, uh, cause that he shouldn't have died. In other words, he's, they're questioning the very mode at the very time they should be repenting. But then we know in verse 43 wow. to 44, right? He says, a loud voice is what is going to happen. This message is going to be, is going to be loud and it's going to be powerful. And, and a Lazarus is going to come forth out of his grave as we, as we exit this pandemic. But remember, a great resurrection is coming and that should be an encouragement to you. You know, remember there was a time and, and, and that's why it needed to die in order that it might be redemonstrated in the last days by the power of God. There was a time when we used to call people to the altar 
the drunk would stagger in, the, the heroin addict bound by his demon of heroin or, or the adulteress or whatever your problem may have been, you know, the depression, the anxiety. And we used to have the word of God and the full gospel of God preached in our churches. And then we would open up the altars and people would come and sit there for hours if necessary, weeping and pouring out, being delivered by the power of God, so forth and so on. But that gave way, that true gospel gave way to now where we educate our preachers in the ways of, of, of Sigmund Freud and, and Maslow and, and have, have turned their heads into psychologists instead of preachers. And we've, we've literally uh, legislated the Holy Spirit out of our sanctuaries. We've replaced our worship and hymns with, with, with cultural relevant rock songs of the day. And, and all of this has caused a house of misery to emerge and a once glorious and beautiful expression of a remnant church has now died. But Jesus is coming out of this to resurrect it, only it will be a glorious church filled with the resurrection power of the Lord. And out of this, the true church and the false church will emerge. The false church is going to corrupt itself fully because verse 47, which is where we'll pick it up tomorrow, it says, it is this very event this sickness that gives way to a resurrection that sets in motion a foreshadow of what will be the falling away of the church. Because that's when they gather and they begin to conspire how to take Jesus out of the way. And that's what Paul reveals is going to happen in Second Thessalonians, where he says, only he that led it will let until he be taken out of the way, then that wicked one shall be revealed. Be encouraged today, and, and please uh, encourage one another. We're, we're going to make it through this, and when we come out of it, we're going to be a different, beautiful church that has heard that the Lord is coming, and the resurrection power is going to be, begin to flow into the houses and lives of the true church, where he's going to call it forth from the dead. He's going to loose it. He's going to let it go. Brothers, you want to close? I just want to say um, what I hear the Holy Spirit is saying um, from yesterday's podcast and today's podcast is the the message that the true church will be known by is the message that Jesus is coming. Remember yesterday uh, we spoke about how the people went to go uh, find Lazarus, right? And it says the next day, it says the people heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Yes. That's what the Holy Spirit said yesterday. Today, he's saying the same thing, that uh, Martha went to Mary, right? Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went to him. And then she came back with the message that Jesus was coming, and she told Mary as well. And that's really what we're doing right now. We're yeah. speaking to a, a Mary church. Right, and yes. we're telling her, "Hey, Jesus is on his way. He's coming. Get up and meet him. Prepare the way for the Lord." Amen. So yes. that's what I feel the Lord is saying. I wanted to share that with the listeners. Amen. Amen. You know, as for, for the Jeremiah, anything before we before I close? Amen. I, I really believe, uh, you know, what Pastor Fernando said is so true that. That Jesus is is coming back and His coming is really near, and I just pray that to those that are listening, that your hearts would be awakened and your eyes would be open 
to see that the Lord is coming really soon and we really need to prepare ourselves and not just ourselves, but our families and let them know that his coming is really near. Praise God. Yes. Yes. And, and at the conclusion, what, what I what I was sensing as as Brother Marty was was speaking, I, I want to direct myself to if, if there's any ministers that are listening, shepherds. I am also a co-laborer. I'm also a shepherd. And one of the hardest things that we go through as shepherds is is really coming to grips. And what God is, you know, we're always trying to keep our ministries alive, right? We're always trying to yeah. keep our ministries alive. And God is saying, yeah. let it go. Let it die. I don't mean your responsibility as a shepherd, but let your ministry die. See, this is, you see, see, what I believe right now, many many shepherds are saying, okay, man, we got to re-strategize. <laughs> let's re-analyze yeah. how we're going to go back. Yeah. Rebrand ourselves. Yeah, let's rebrand ourselves. Let's, let's, let's do this. And, and God is saying the very opposite. He's saying, let it die let it die let it die he said if you let it die i will do something new and what is that new thing that he will do he will make you true shepherds he will make you true shepherds that truly love the sheep right now the sheep are scattered without a shepherd and we're trying to rebrand our ministries and, and you know god is saying let it die if you let it die I will resurrect it, but this time it's going mm. to be different. This time, hallelujah, it's going to be different. It's going to be a church full of the Holy Spirit, full of life. The same Jesus that raised, Spirit that raised Lazarus from the dead is the one that can bring, uh, again, a true church. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Pastor, shepherd, let it die. God is doing something fresh and new in your life, but you have to let it die. And and that's what I felt compelled to to share with with, with those pastor shepherds that love God that are asking, what should we do? Let it die. Praise God. I, I pray that you have been blessed uh, with this uh, podcast, uh, this powerful uh, prophetic teaching that uh, really has been speaking. Number one to us as men, and 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 we pray that it's speaking to your life, as we are being challenged, and that we are beginning to see a clear picture of what God is saying in this hour. Let us pray, Father. We Amen. we thank you, God, for your word today, Lord, that has come forth. Father, such a beautiful story in the book of Lazarus, in the book of uh, in the Word of God about the story of Lazarus, God. In that story, we see our story. We see you speaking to the church, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of compassion. You are a God that sees you're moved by compassion. You're not moved by circumstances. You're not moved by, you were always about, as you would say, Jesus, about my father's business. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that in it, Lord, you showed your disciples, Lord, what needed to happen. We needed to go to that place that, and understand that Lazarus was not asleep, that he was dead, but that for your glory he would be resurrected. Father, in this hour, we believe 
that you there's a true church arising, a remnant of people, Lord, that are going to grab a hold of this word, Lord, and become that Lazarus church in this last days, Lord. There's a Mary and a Martha, Lord, that's sitting on the wings that find themselves, Lord, in a place of, that's what Bethany, Bethany, a place of misery, but Lord, Jesus, you're coming. Hallelujah. You're coming to bring joy. You are the resurrection, Lord. Hallelujah. You yes. are the resurrection. You are the life giver. I pray for those, Lord, that are listening, even ministers, Lord, that find themselves asking questions. What is taking place? What is happening? Lord, that as you're speaking to us, you would speak unto them, Lord, for you are the resurrection. Lord, we pray, Lord, that as this podcast goes, Lord, and wherever it t- wherever it goes, Lord, that it would bring a fresh word and a fresh perspective that is clear to the hearts of those that are searching, God. We ask you, Lord, to cover all our listeners with the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would shield them, Lord, in this hour, Lord, and continue, Lord, to give us the hunger that we need to persevere in this hour and seek your face, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your care over your people, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you are a covenant keeper, God, that you're not a man to lie, Lord. What you say you're going to do, you do it, Lord. And we find comfort in your word today. We thank you for this time. We bless your people. And we ask you this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. What a pleasure to be with you. And please continue to uh, help us to share these podcasts with others that I know will be blessed to hear these podcasts. God bless you and keep looking up.